0: Who doesn't have a big book tonight? Bring one next week. Hopefully there's somebody sitting next to you that can share one with you. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. I'd like to... Hi. Glad you guys all showed up tonight. This is going to be an adventure and fun tonight. Um, I'm going to introduce my um, co-facilitator. I met Joe previous to him getting through the book when he we were both attending a um, discussion-based meeting and um, I honestly thought Joe was a heroin addict because he kept sitting in the back of the room, nodding off throughout the entire meeting. And uh, it wasn't until I actually had a conversation to talk to him that the meeting was just boring him to death, and it was just, he relapsed a few more times and he finally came back to me. Do you want to introduce yourself real quick?
1: Sure. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name's Joe. (laughs) And uh, I'll take a moment here just to introduce you to uh, my co-facilitator. I met him again, as you said, in the... uh, in the rounds of the discussion meetings that we were going to, and what I noticed is is that he kept introducing himself as Mike Chase. And I thought, who is this guy that feels this burning need to give (laughs) his first name and his last name and be the announcement guy? And uh, years later, I come to find out when he started taking me through the book that his first name is actually Mike Chase. So bad on my part for that. But anyway, um, what we do is we, we study the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we reproduce that experience for our students.
0: So our spiritual duty is to put newcomers' hands in, God, put newcomers hands in God's hands as quickly as possible.
1: Uh, we found this to be most effective by trying to do our utmost to make this book come alive. And uh, God gives us a lot of um, leeway in, in how we operate. Yeah.
0: As a disclaimer, we're not experts. We're just a couple of recovered alcoholics that love the big book. However, we have made our utmost spiritual errand to become as familiar with the history and the facts as we can so that we may transmit only the pure message of God to the next untreated alcoholic.
1: In other words, if you see us reading from the big book, that means that it's coming from what we believe to be the divine solution for alcoholism. If you see us look up and start talking, that means it's it's an experience, an opinion, or something that we're uh, talking about. So feel free to investigate and study the history, and and if what we say up here gets you fired up to, to learn more about this, then. We're certainly doing what we're supposed to do.
0: Absolutely. Some, help, some helpful information has already been given in the format To for those who may be unaccustomed with workshop-style workshop study. We hope to educate, challenge, and invigorate your current experience with
1: God. Uh, we'd like to encourage participation from our audience as much as possible. Uh, tonight we aim to cover the uh, preface and the forwards and the title page, but we'd like to also thank the group for giving us spiritual consent to allow God to move us.
0: So we got some highlighters, rulers, underliners. This is an opportunity for you guys to take the information that we've garnered through years of reading the Big Book, going to Big Book seminars, Big Book meetings. We think we got some pretty good information that we've been passing on to our family. Um, we we basically study the book in the style of Clarence Snyder, Cleveland, who had some incredible success rates. Uh, we just sit down with the new guys, get to know them a little bit, and we turn to the title page and we just start reading. But we always start off a little differently than some other groups.
1: Um, anytime that we're moved to study the big book, we usually go into it with a, with a brief meditation in order to clear our minds and uh, help us set up and get clear of what's been going on during the daytime. Uh, so please join us in a two-minute meditation. Um,
0: what that means is we're just going to go silent for two minutes. We'll do some breathing. If you guys want to just concentrate on your posture and breathing, what that's going to do, that's going to let us get reconnected to God in a stronger position at this point. So when we come back in, we're a little energized and ready to go in. So we're just going to sit and quiet with God for two minutes and we'll meet you on the other side. You guys want to join us in the lay aside prayer god god help me lay aside it's everything i think you know about alcoholics anonymous the big book the 12 steps and you i feel so much better
1: absolutely are you ready can you
0: believe we got this many people sit in a room quiet for two minutes that was cool is there a puppy or a dog in the room or something like that
1: i think that was a parrot that was a
0: parrot i heard something going on out there ah, um, <clears throat> who wants to be the dictionary person tonight we need somebody with a quick finger and a loud voice. Run up here, Zach. Get up here real quick. <clears throat> In case we uh, run across a word or something's mentioned, somebody wants to know what that word is, just raise your hand, you'll interrupt us, and we'll stop and we'll have him tell you what the word is. Because I came into the room thinking I knew a lot of stuff. I came into the book thinking I knew a lot of words. I did a whole year of college. Well, I made three classes. But, uh, so I really find it an important occasion to find out what some of these words mean. Um, The way that our style is, we sit down with our newcomers, we have a meditation, we jump into prayer, and then we give a little idea of what the book is. You know, the book was divinely inspired to be mailed out to anywhere in the world, anywhere in the country, and the person reading the book can read the information page by page, word by word, and by the time they get to working with others, they've had a spiritual awakening sufficient to help them to also recover from alcoholism and be prepared to start passing that message to somebody else. That's the basis of our family. We take guys who have just come in and out of recovery for years, not been able to get sober, and after 35 days, after highlighting, underlining, spending time with God, having conversation with us, reading the book, they are prepared to pass the message on to somebody else. So hopefully you guys can pick up a little information that we've garnered from the book tonight. Absolutely. So what do you got in page one,
1: Joe? Um, I have a blank page, page zero. It says Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs)
0: When I came back after 15 years of sobriety and then a six year run, my sponsor looked at me and said, you've been around a while. You think you know a lot about Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, let's just pretend you forgot everything. What you know now is the name. So he told me I was stupid, forget everything. I, it was a little, actually just a couple words.
1: I can imagine.
0: Yeah. So let's just imagine that we don't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. This is the first time going through the book. And we'll have a fun adventure here tonight. First thing, Alcoholics Anonymous. We turn the page to the title page. You're going to come across some really good information that's going to set the course of how this book is going to go. The story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. What was that? The story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. I always have my people highlight that and underline it because that's the first bit of information that we're giving to people who's got this book. You're living in you're living in Broken Toe, New Mexico. You've been trying to get sober for years un, unsuccessfully. And you get this book mailed out to you, and you get it, and it's like, it's recovered from alcohol and what they wanted to do. We're setting this up for some information ahead of us.
1: The book was essentially a 12-step call when you think about it like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So everybody got that highlighted, and underline? Well, let's go. The book is the next page. We're going to skip over a couple of pages to the contents. It's broken up, I was told, in three sections. I see a couple more, but the first part of the book is going to be broken up as the problem from the preface to Bill's story, if you guys want to draw a line or put a notation, that first part of the book has always been where we discuss the problem, what it is to be an alcoholic. We're gonna to have to figure out if we're alcoholic or non-alcoholic if we're gonna decide that we need to go on with this program.
1: In order to seek a solution, we've gotta know what it is that we're suffering from. So the perfect definition of the problem is what we move into. And that's obviously gonna deal with powerlessness, which is step one.
0: Right. When the book first came out, there was no preface, they only had the foreword. And uh, right now we've got a few forwards and we've got the doctor's opinion and Bill's story, which is some amazing stuff. Hopefully we get into the doctor's opinion next week or the week afterwards. The second part of the book is the solution. Between there's a solution, more about alcoholism, and we agnostics. I always have my guys draw a little line there and put that as a solution base. You hear a lot of God talking in Alcoholics Anonymous. You hear a lot about prayer meditation. This sort of gives us an opportunity to see where that solution came from. Why, why is AA so God-based, you know? We're going to discover the malady, the obsession of the mind, and how God came into works with Alcoholics Anonymous.
1: So the solution is going to be dealing with the Power, capital P, and that's going to be a lot of information on step two.
0: Next part, program of action. That's between how it works and working with others. How it works is the opportunity for the first 67, 4200, whoever you're talking to, had an opportunity to to get together and agree on what this new program was going to be. Because the guys who wrote this book were not members of Alcoholics Anonymous. These guys who wrote this book were members of the Oxford group, a first century hell. I'm not going to say that.
1: (laughs) The drunk squad of the Oxford groups is what they used to say. Yeah, it was an
0: evangelical Christian squad. And uh, so they, they were able to take that and tone it down a bit so anyone in any religion, in any walk of life, could find an ability to go through the steps comfortably without feeling too pushed aside by preconditions and God.
1: And believe it or not, those three chapters, the program of action, uh, how it works into action and working with others, that's going to be our remaining steps, three through twelve, and this, the focus on those chapters is going to be how to find that power. If I'm powerless and I need a power, the focus is going to be from that point out, how do I find that power?
0: The next part of the book that I classify myself as a gift from God, it's the to the wives chapter, the family afterwards, and to the employers when the book came out, remember, we didn't have Al-Anon, we didn't have CODA, we didn't have Tina, we didn't have all the things that we have today. So the book was used by the family members and the wives of the alcoholics who were recovering. It was a shared family experience. It wasn't alcoholics and family. It was sort of, back in the Oxford group days, they are all sort of mixed together working with each other. So this was an opportunity for the alcoholics to help the family members also recover. The wives would get together. The families would get together while the alcoholics are working with each other. And then we have a vision for you, which is a gift from God. You've had this spiritual experience. Let's go out in the world and take this and make this a a, a better place. Use this information we have.
1: Then we've got the story section. And the story section is going to be divided into three parts. Each story, uh, the teller is going to um, explain how he conceived of and uh, found his relationship with God. So, the emphasis on there is going to be how these people found a solution to that which they were suffering from.
0: And part one is the pioneers. These were the original Oxford group guys. These were the guys that were living the four absolutes. They were living as close to a pure life as they could get, really, really pushing the boundaries on the being a really pure type of lifestyle. Um, I really like those stories because when they wrote these stories, there was no big book, there was no Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, Dr. Bob and Bill just sort of walked up to these guys and said, hey, we need your story for a book. And they're like, okay, I'll write my story for a book. Matter of fact, they had to prod people. They, they did not want to do it. So I think the humility that you find in the pioneers of AA is extremely important.
1: And then we've got this part two, they stopped in time. That's going to be a group of people who comparatively with the next section that we're going to look at had a higher bottom than uh, people in part three. Um, they had not necessarily lost everything, but they definitely suffered from the illness of alcoholism. And the focus in the, in the story section, as well, is how to reach more alcoholics. When we come in and we've got these stories, we need identification. And there's a fellowship today of a number of different all walks of life. So we're going to have a, a difference in, in what we see here.
0: Who came in here with a job, not homeless, with friends and family that liked them? Raise your hands. Wow, we got a lot of, lot of, lot of low bottoms no here tonight. This is good. <laughs> the next one's going to be the low bottoms. You know, they nearly lost all these other people. That, these were, you know. They like to say that when AA first started we had really destitute struggling people trying to get sober and today we've got people who are just sort of casually getting sober. I, I take issue with that. I think we have just as many people today struggling to stay sober and they need the pure message found in the book also. But these were the guys and these are amazing stories. You know, it's not the program of action, it's not the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. This book was designed to remember to mailed out to some guy who lives in New Mexico who's never seen an alcoholic or an AA meeting or another recovered person. Gives them an opportunity to understand what it's like to become recovered and spend time with recovered people. Makes them feel part of something before they can start their own fellowship, which we're going to find out in Bill's story. Next area: preface, preface. Um, I was told that they have prefaces if you have lots of forwards, so I always like to start my guys as if we've just. <clears throat> got the first edition of Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm just going to have you guys pass the preface for first. We're just going to jump right into the forward of the first edition. Remember, when the book came out, there was no mass repeatable solution for alcoholism. You ended up in a psych ward. You ended up getting lobotomies. You ended up being locked away for the rest of your life. You had electrotherapy. You were in and out, in and out until you died or were locked up. So when Alcoholics Anonymous came up with this book and announced it and gave it to the world, the forward to the first edition, as I like to call it, sort of the consideration of the uh, 15 minutes of fame, or 30-second soundbite. This is where the opportunity for Alcoholics Anonymous can say who and what they are and what the program is in a very short, concise way.
1: And also, at this stage, it's, it's a book written by that first 4267 group of recovered alcoholics who... who um, did this program and got the results from it. So therefore, it's not anything that's written by like one or two guys. They had, co- they had counsel, they sought experience, and they went back and forth to, to see what was eventually going to go down. So bear that in mind as we're going through. It's a lot difficult to say, um, I don't buy into that, if it's more than one person or a group of people who collectively say, we absolutely believe this with, with all our hearts and minds.
0: You know, you can't really see this too much, but this is the working manuscript that they had when they were putting the book together. They had mailed out 300 copies to different addicts, excuse me, different alcoholics, doctors, lawyers, ministers, priests, rabbis, and other religious people to try and get a book that was not going to offend anyone. So there's a lot of controversy within AA, or the first AAs trying to get this thing written right. There's some arguments and some dissent in certain times, but they were able to come together at the end with a book that's, you know, changed my life and it's an opportunity for me to pass this on. So the forward of the first edition, I always like to think that every chapter has a, a theme or a, another change. So on the top of my book, I wrote the introduction to the world. This is Alcoholics Anonymous opportunity to introduce ourselves to the world. So if you guys want to just listen along as we read. Sure. You want to start at the Sounds first? Sounds
1: good. Uh, this is the forward as it appeared in the first printing of the first edition in 1939. We of Alcoholics Anonymous. Who's the we, Joe? The we is that group of 42 to 67 recovered alcoholics that wrote this book. Um, Are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body.
0: You know, in the rooms today, you don't know what other people are doing to get sober or stay sober. There's a lot of stuff going on these days. But when the book first came out, the we was the original guys who put the book together who agreed that this was going to be the program that they can stand behind and work together on. This program that they found in the book was the way it was going to turn out. And it wasn't you know, just a shot in the dark, a casual thing. These people knew to their heart and core that this was a program that was going to work because they had seen people who were destitute finally getting sober and getting a life beyond their wildest dreams. Now, when the book first came out, they, uh, the first time it came out, you're going to see that it says to show other alcoholics precisely how we were covered is the main purpose of this book. They, they It's squiggly, which is italicized, which is, I'm sort of old and I really can't even tell the difference anymore between italicized and regular. But when this book first came out, it was, like if you're Texting somebody, right? You want to scream at them or get their attention? You do uppercase, capitals, the whole thing. And the first edition said to show alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book.
1: All in capital letters. Yeah. For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic.
0: So remember, when this book was published and mailed out and introduced to the world, it was going to the little alcoholic. It was going to the doctor, it was going to the family member, it was going to the wife. There was this, this group of people that this book was going to be being read by and Bill and the way they wrote this he could just laser into the little alcoholic and he could see what his information is in the wife and the family members. So in this part you got these people who have been living with addict alcoholics who don't have the faintest idea why they're acting the way they are and this gives them an opportunity to understand they're not alone. This is not a a, a solution or, or not a problem that just they are experiencing. So read that, Joe.
1: Uh, many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages of all. They're now trying to
0: break that uh, stereotype for us.
1: Absolutely. And that's like when you just said that when this first came out, it was not just for the alcoholic. <clears throat> it's for the family and for, um, as we see the other chapters, it gets into everybody in that uh, situation that surrounds the sufferer.
0: Um, I think currently there's about 112 different 12-step programs. So this, this program has grown for every problem that we can think of. Um, it is important. So here's, I always like this little paragraph. It's like, you know, why are we anonymous? I remember having meetings, and uh, we'd have general service meetings over on the on the coast, and uh, we were told, you know, to be, shh, be really quiet, don't mention AA. We've, we've got all these posters all over the hallways, and we're not supposed to be talking about AA in the elevator and stuff like that. You know, we're going to be really careful of the anonymity. Um, this whole concept of being anonymous is, is laid out here in this paragraph where that
1: came from. Want to read that, Joe? Sure. It's important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals which may result from this publication. Did
0: anybody see the movie with Whoopi Goldberg and who's the other guy? Ghost. Remember his wife. He, this guy got killed, and he had to go. He's dead, and his ghost run around. He's trying to get uh, some information to his wife because his best friend's the guy who killed him. And he bumps into Whoopi Goldberg, who's this fake psychic, you know? And he starts having this conversation with her, and it's like, wow, she's freaking out because I'm actually able to talk to a ghost. This is so cool, you know? What happened is, if you remember the movie, that woman couldn't even go to the bathroom. Everywhere she went, there was hundreds of ghosts trying to talk to her. So imagine if we had put our names into this book. The, the curse of mankind, Alcoholics Anonymous, and people knew who we were, we wouldn't be able to continue on with their lives. We'd be overwhelmed. We have the opportunity to help people, but we still have to have lives.
1: And they're going to touch on that right now. Being mostly business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. We would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation.
0: Avocation, not a vocation. They wanted to keep this a spiritually fit program at that point in time also. When speaking publicly or about alcoholism... We urge our fellowship to omit his personal name, designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was a small, fledgling community. The newspapers started finding out about us popping up in different cities, and, you know, we just love to be famous, and you know, we don't need us. And you, you definitely don't want me representing Alcoholics Anonymous in the press level, and you didn't want a lot of other people. So we're getting a lot of the foundation for the traditions early on, before the traditions were even officially accepted.
1: Very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped.
0: Yeah, we had a lot more respect back in the old days. Any time you got a sitcom now and you know, one of the main characters is going to rehab or something, on comes the laugh track, you know. Back in those days, we had some amazing success rate. You know, even today we have success of 100% if you follow the program in the book. The problem is when we don't follow the problem in the book is when our success rates tend to fall. Um, little information to the rest of our world, what Alcoholics Anonymous is. Want to read that?
1: We are not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. There are no fees or dues whatsoever. <clears throat>
0: Back in those days, the 20s, 30s, you belonged to the American, uh, the Irish-American club, the Polish-American club, the Italian-American club, the socialist, the Congress, everybody belonged to some organization. Everybody was broken up. This is the first organization that came along that anybody from any of those walks of life could come together and get along. It was a, it was a groundbreaking thing with society at that time
1: now i've got this one highlighted the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking
0: the only requirement for membership at that time is an honest desire to stop drinking Um, i have no comment
1: we are not allied with any particular faith sect or denomination nor do we oppose anyone we simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted so already the emphasis on helping others in the forewords which is in the Roman numerals, how cool is that mm-hmm.
0: love this paragraph we shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book I got this highlighted and underlined particularly from those who have commenced work with other alcoholics we're not, like Joe just said, we're not even into the main meat of the book and it's already prepping you guys, guess what, you get sober you're going to bring this message to the sick and suffering we're going to hopefully touch let's, let me jump up to bill story real quick just bounce away. That's the cool thing about having a sponsor or a teacher or somebody who's familiar with the book. We can jump into places and sort of do some little foreshadowing. You know, Bill had just come out of his white light experience. He had been a lying, cheating, stealing, low-life, self-centered, inconsiderate, self-serving guy. And through the white light experience, he had become highly connected to God-loving, care, and compassion. And what's the first thing that came to his mind? I'm going back to college, or I'm going to get a really good job. No. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what's been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. I think it's like 88 times in this book it's going to say, you're going to sponsor people, you're going to take people to the book, you're going to help people, you're going to take people who are dying and bring them to God so God can help them.
1: And that thought was immediately following a a spiritual experience and a great revolutionary and change of thinking, as you just said, which is
0: Big for Bill W. to think about other people at that time.
1: Inquiry by scientific, medical, and religious societies will be welcomed.
0: Clear-cut information: who, what we are, what we stand for, and what it's about. You know, one and a half pages was just like boom. They didn't waste minutes, min- words back in those days. Um, 16 years later, forward to the second edition, I call this our 16-year update. This first, forward to the first edition was the introduction to the world and we set a bar pretty high. We introduced ourselves as an organization that had a solution for alcoholism that were really centered on just being good. Um, Set ourselves up to be uh, very watched by people. So 16 years later, when we had our second edition, this is the opportunity for us to just say, hey, look at how good we did or... Wow, we bombed, which they, we didn't.
1: They want to address a, a few things after the, it had kind of launched and um, looked at what was going on and then wrote this down as the update. So 16 years later, we get this forward to the second edition.
0: And there was a lot of talk about Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, it's turned into some religion, it's this cult, it's this money making art, you know, there's a lot of information being spread about us that we had to put on paper and just set straight.
1: Um, figures given in this foreword describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. So, since the original
0: foreword to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. Our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destinations. Already continues, twos, threes, fives of us have sprung up in other communities. Remember, Alcoholics Anonymous started with Dr. Bob and Bill W., in Akron, Ohio, you know, two guys and then being three guys and they had meetings in Akron and Cleveland and New York and it was just a,
1: really a small organization. Sixteen years have elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups. From three to 6,000 groups. Wow. That's (laughs) amazing. Whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Whenever I'm bringing people through the book, I always have them highlight
0: and underline the stuff that talks about the recovered part. Um, So if you guys want just 150,000 recovered alcoholics... Happy, joyous, and free. Passing the message on.
1: If this is our textbook and this message is divine, we should be shooting for what it promises us, which is recovered.
0: Groups can be found in each of the United States and all the provinces of Canada. AA is flourishing communities in the British Isles, the Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America. Read.
1: Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and U.S. possessions.
0: <laughs> some are now taking shape in Asia. Many of our friends encourage us by saying this is but a beginning, and only an augury of a much larger future ahead. Augury, what does that word mean? Let's see how fast he is back there. It's amazing.
1: Augury. You know. God, he's fast. Sign, something that indicates future happiness.
0: Yeah. We had 150,000 recovered alcoholics, and the country was small. And they said, this is nothing. You just wait. It's going to grow, which it has.
1: The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935. Can we stop there? Sure. The spark that was to flare
0: into the first AA group was struck in Akron, Ohio in June 1935. That's June 10th. Sometime around there, that's when Dr. Bob took his last drink when I meet somebody at a meeting or somebody comes to my house and we start reading the big book, you know, there's two alcoholics. There's the recovered alcoholic and there's the non-alcoholic. And it's sort of the two people that eventually click and by the time we get into the fifth step after reading, you know, it's, it's, it's a relationship that's been divinely inspired by God. <laughs> Mother's Day, 1935. That's the day that Dr. Bob went to go meet Bill W. at the, at the, the courthouse or the guardhouse. And uh, he had told his wife, Ann, give this guy 15 minutes. I don't need some slick guy from New York telling me how to quit drinking. They sat down for dinner. Bob was shaking. Bill W. said, hey, let's just go talk for a minute. Took him to this little room. Mind you, he had told his wife, give me 15 minutes with this New York guy. He doesn't they sat there for six hours. He talked drunk to a drunk. He talked about the problem of what an alcoholic is, and he talked about a solution. This is a guy... Who had no solution, and then Bill W. brought him the solution. Six hours talking. I don't know. I think that's pretty important. I think that's when Alcoholics Anonymous was really, first time, really struck.
1: So uh, the, the book says uh, in Akron, Ohio, in June 1935, during a talk between a New York stockbroker Bill W. Bill W. and an Akron physician, Dr. Dr. Bob, Bob. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual <clears throat> experience. Following a meeting with an alcoholic friend, who's Ebby T, T, who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day. He had also greatly
0: helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members.
1: And whose story of the early days of our society appears on the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. He Green, got an definite Um, He got the definite um, Example of the problem He finally realized What he was suffering from Though he could not accept all the tenants of the Oxford groups He was convinced of the need for moral inventory Slow down with
0: that first of all Okay. Though he could not accept all the tenants of the Oxford group Bill was not from a Very religious spiritual upbringing So when Ebby Thatcher brought him This information of a solution Which Bill had been struggling Trying to stop drinking for years Ebby Thatcher shows up looking like just clean cut and looking great, and Bill's you know, sitting there in this tank top, not doing very good. He's talking about this religious experience, and Bill was not happy with this. He was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personal defects, restitution of those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in dependence on God. He thought that stuff was important. to was all the other stuff that was going along with the Oxford group at that time. He was not wanting to be an evangelical Christian. He thought the idea of getting a God-inspired would help, but he just wasn't ready to go that other route. Um, What he got from the doctor was the disease concept. The spiritual malady came a little bit later, but he got the information that alcoholism might be this allergy, this weird reaction his body has. And that finally made sense to him. And then when he brought that to Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob was like, yeah. Because Dr. Bob was a good member of the Oxford group. He was a going through a lot of meetings with him and his wife, Anne, and he'd have a great meeting. He'd go home, you know, maybe have a little drink to celebrate, you know, and next thing you know, he's drinking. He didn't understand the whole disease concept. So when Bill brought in that information, so we got Bill with some information. We got Dr. Bob, who was a spiritual giant compared to Bill at that time. That's when this started to kick in high gear.
1: And we see how all components come together at the same time. Uh, And that's going to get very relevant when we look at um, the next people who get the message. The
0: alcoholic reaching out and helping the other alcoholic, God. And the, and the disease concept, don't pick up that first drink. but how do I not pick up the first drink? We'll figure that out a little later, won't we? Prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics. Yellow underlined on a theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic, but he had only succeeded in keeping himself keeping sober himself. <laughs> He didn't have the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. He was trying to recreate what Ebby had done to him in the hospital and he was really foggy. He was trying to recreate what was going on in the Oxford group, which he really wasn't all that into the Oxford group at the time. You know, he had his little Oxford, but uh, he didn't have a solution to pass on. We hear a lot of people saying today in Alcoholics Anonymous, like, well, you know, my sponsors aren't staying sober, but at least I'm staying sober, you know? I don't think that's, that's acceptable in this day and age. They didn't, we have a solution that people can use today. Bill W. didn't have the solution in the book at this time, but he did get that information. It's like, hey, I get out of myself, and I try to bring help others, and I try to get people to God. I'm staying sober.
1: The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture which had collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again.
0: So Bill W. was a member of the Oxford group. He's in Akron, his business. He had gone there to get rich again, to get his life back, get Ann out of the, or get his wife Lois out of the department store and get his life together. And it collapses on him, and he's really freaking out, you know. Now, he was a member of the Oxford group, so he could have gone to an Oxford group, you know, Done some praying and raised his hand and said, listen, i got to talk. i got this really bad problem in my life. Uh, My job's collapsed. My wife is going to be leaving me soon if I don't. But he realized what in order for him to do to get sober was to track down. And it took him a lot of work to even track Dr. Bob down. He had to track down somebody else because he knew that the only way for him to stay sober was to try to pass this message on to another alcoholic, talk to another drunk, try and help another drunk instead of just like sharing his problems at a meeting of such.
1: As he crosses the threshold, what is it with alcoholics and thresholds? That's (laughs) gonna become a theme for us. Um, He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned out to be the Akron Physician.
0: What was his message, Joe? Bill's.
1: Bill's message was his struggles with the bottle and where it brought him to seek help.
0: And the Oxford group Solution that he had come across that he wasn't really doing all that good at because it wasn't, he didn't have it written down. He didn't, he was just trying to play it off his mind or remember what somebody else had done for him. So, but this, we're going to talk about Dr. Bob now. Mind you, uh, Dr. Bob was a, a member of the Oxford group, he'd been trying a lot, and the Oxford group was very fundamentalist, Christian based. Um, this physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to solve his alcoholic dilemma but failed. He'd go to these Oxford groups and pray. And you know, have, they'd have this talking, and there's lots of, a lot of stuff that was going on there. It wasn't keeping him sober because no one—I don't think anybody ever suggested to him, "Don't be up the first drink," you know? Right. He's like there was no—they didn't understand the allergy at that time. Highlight this. But when the broker gave him Doctor Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never been able to muster. A twelve-step call is supposed to bring somebody hope. And they get that hope from connecting with the alcoholic who's bringing it, hearing a solution, and seeing this actually working in somebody else.
1: With a willingness he had never before been able to muster, just from hearing the definition of the problem, that had a severe impact in his rigor to pursue this. He sobered, never to drink again, up to the moment of his death in 1950. That was a lot of lunches, I bet. I can imagine.
0: Actually, they didn't do, you know, call me every day. They didn't say meet me every day for lunch and stuff. It was a, it was a three- or four-day thing that Dr. Bob would do. He'd get to know the guys. We'll hear about that a little later on. But it was uh, get people connected to God as quickly as possible and get those people helping other people as quickly as possible. That was this original program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it says here that Dr. Bob brought 5,000 people to God on that basis, you know.
1: This seems to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. Pay attention. Highlighters and underliners. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery.
0: We're going to hear that over and over again. And in order to pass the message on of Alcoholics Anonymous, we personally feel it's very important to know the program that's in the book, to understand the problem and the solution in the book. That's why we study the book. That's why we you know, we love the book, and that's why in our family we use the book. Hence, my favorite word.
1: And the language is getting pretty flowery around this. It, it, it's using words like strenuous work, vital, permanent. It's really trying to hit home something here. So,
0: permanent recovery. I like still, that. We're still
1: we're still in the Roman numerals, right?
0: Yeah, I haven't even gotten to the solution yet. He's like giving us right good information here. Who's has everybody read this? Has anybody not read this? Read it this? read it that? Only one person's never read this before. Two. Good. We got some honest people here. Hence the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, get pay attention to this one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. If you guys want to write yeah, if you guys want to write a name off to the site, that's Bill D. He's the guy on the bed. Bill Dr. Bob talking to the guy on the bed. This was a guy who had just been a violent alcoholic when he would go, you know, he had a great career going then then it hit him. And he just was, he had locked himself up. He was going to lock himself up for the rest of his life. And they came and brought him a solution. And he changed his mind. He got hoped. Uh,
1: he never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. <laughs> there were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success.
0: So they've done all the work. There's no reason for us to experiment on Alcoholics Anonymous. You know the programs in the book. They had some success and they had some failures. They were able to put the combined experience together to create this book.
1: When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time.
0: Remember, the Akron group were a bunch of hotty totty richy guys. You know, basically, that had lost purpose in life, and they they found that by discovering. Christ, through the Oxford group, that they could have a better life. We stumbled upon it accidentally by Roland Hazard being in Europe, Um, and they weren't too happy with the alcoholic squad. You know, we'd end up in people's houses, and we'd bring the drunks in, and, you know, as Clarence would say, the first house he went to, the first thing he noticed was all the little things that he could put in his pocket. Of course, he didn't (laughs) steal anything, he says, but, you know, they, they weren't too happy with us too much most of the time.
1: A second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland.
0: Yeah, we love the Cleveland group because that's where Clarence Snyder's from. He was a sponsee of Dr. Bob. Um, there's a little problem with that. Cleveland and Catholics and Akron and Protestants. So Clarence is the guy who started using the book to bring people to God. You know, he tried repeating what Dr. Bob was doing with no success, and they just sat down like we do. Start on page zero, read the book, follow directions and get the
1: desired result. Clarence would eventually become the father of big book sponsorship. Besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic ideas in Akron New York who were trying to form groups in other cities.
0: Key word, trying to form groups in other cities. They didn't have the book, they didn't have the actual specific directions laid out. They're going back home trying to recreate what Bob did or Bill did. And they weren't having some success. They were having some success, but not success. know, we had a lot of phone calls back and forth. But it was flying blind. They didn't have consistent program again. They had sort of fallen through the cracks. As soon as you left Cleveland or Akron, there was nobody watching over you and you could, like, do what you
1: want. Chinese whispers. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time. Now, how much is that?
0: That's six months. And we're talking happy, joyous, and free. You know, if you've ever met anybody who's been through the book who's sponsoring people with four, five, six months and you see that little glow in their eyes and they're just annoyingly happy and joyful you know that's what we're talking about we're not talking about that guy who's trudging up to get a 90 day trip and he's you know in the AA jail and I hate AA and I can't drink and stuff like that these guys were connected to God they were living by the four absolutes and their purpose and mission in life was to bring the message to other people who were dying you know some people today sort of think that you know they look at a fanatical you know these big book people are just a little too fanatical you know just God will take their time let it happen naturally it wasn't that way, and it's not that way today. You know, people are out there dying, and we have a solution. And these guys knew that. We take this book for granted this day in modern society. And I was like, this was new stuff, and they were actually seeing that it happened. We've actually gotten very cold and jaded by this, you know, but big book. I love this book and I see what this book can do. You follow directions in this book, amazing things happen.
1: So what we draw from that is that around forward uh, number two, the fellowship used to resemble the program. And uh, we're going to see some uh, percentages and and things like that that were going on at that time. Uh, The number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic.
0: They had a solution that was working. We needed to get it down on paper, and we needed to get out there because this was something that the world needed. It wasn't uh, something to keep them busy, keep them. Doing. This was a solution to people who were dying. There was basically men at this time, and there was a lot of ideas of what to call the book. And you know, 167 men, 100 men. But there was this gal named Florence. She finally came in. She got sober. They had to come up with some different names. Um, it was now time for the struggling groups, thought to bring this their message and unique experience to the world. I got this highlighted. This determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. This book was the program. This was the directions. This was what we were going to follow. And this is what we're all supposed to be sharing about. This is the common solution they talk about, and there's a solution. It's the information found in this book.
1: The membership had then reached about 100 men and women. The fledgling society, which had been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous from the title of its own book. So the fellowship was actually named after the program. The flying blind period ended and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time.
0: I love this part. If anybody's ever seen new people get sober and get a bunch of these new little guys that are hanging around here, just recently discovered God and trying to get sober, you know, they get that adolescent phase where they think their sponsor's an idiot and they think that AA is just sort of slow and you need to go change the world, you know. I'm so glad they're on fire like that, but it's sort of fun to get them. So we're going to see what, imagine there was no general service to tell us what to do. There's all these meetings all over the place. As a matter of fact, Bill W. had heard about all these different rules going up to become members in other meetings around the country. So he had written a letter to all the AA groups and said, here, do me a favor. Could you guys please send me you know, all your rules for membership? You know, and He got back and he compiled all this menu, all these rules he had, and he looked at them he could not become a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. He did not meet many of these things. You know? So that's when we really needed to start coming up with some traditions, which we're going to pick up in just a couple pages.
1: With the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen. Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, <clears throat> the noted clergyman, reviewed it with approval. In the fall of 1939, Fulton Ausler, then Fulton. editor of Liberty, printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God.
0: I love that, Alcoholics and God. I think that would be just a great name for a meeting just absolutely right
1: to the point this brought a rush of 800 frantic inquiries into the little new york office
0: now bill bill was not one to just re- throw words out bill every word that bill used you know, was thought out and used for a purpose frantic come on you guys there is no aa there's no Florida house, there's no recovery place, you know, you just went and drank yourself to death or you locked yourself up in the insane asylum. All of a sudden, the information that my husband, who was an alcoholic, you know, oh my God, i got to get this book, you know, so it was, you could have trumpets, scream it from the rooftops, God will get you sober, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, this was important information.
1: Each inquiry was painstakingly answered. Pamphlets and books were sent out. Businessmen traveling out of existing groups were referred to these prospective newcomers. New groups started up and it was found to the astonishment of everyone that AA's message could be transmitted in the the mail as well as by word of mouth.
0: The book was working. Because people were reading the book, getting sober in the book, and then picking up some clearance and reading the book with other alcoholics, getting connected to God. There's communications with General Service in New York, telephone calls, emails, telegrams going back and forth. You know, Bill was pretty much the only guy working in the General Service office. He had a couple of gals and some people, but you know, Dr. Bob was back in Ekron, Akron bringing people to God. And then Bill's in New York trying to get this fledgling society up on its feet and bringing this message to other people. So he was whelmed. You know, he had a lot of stuff going on. The problem with that is Dr. Bob had the leisure ability to be at home and work with newcomers and keep growing with God. And Bill was busy running Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and That's not a good thing to be.
1: By the end of 1939, it was estimated that 800 alcoholics were on their way to recovery.
0: Remember, Dr. Bob and Bill Double, two guys. Imagine if YouTube just discovered Alcoholics Anonymous and all of a sudden this room had it, you know? In the spring of 1949, John D. Rockefeller Jr. gave a dinner for many of his friends to which he invited A members to tell their story. The reason we did that, Bill W. was going to need some money. He was the idea that we were going to open up some hospitals. We had to come up with some stuff. He was going to make this thing a big organization, and the, a lot of conversation And the finally, God just said, "No, you know, I'm not giving giving you guys any money." Rockefeller said, "I actually Rockefeller gave him some money so Dr. Bob could pay off his house and have a, a little living expense." Bill W. got some money from just so that they could have. You know, opportunity to work on this fledging Society of Alcoholics Anonymous. They did not give us the big bucks that Bill wanted. You know, he didn't. He wanted to open hospitals and have AA all over the place, and the guy said, "No, money will ruin this thing. Let's just keep this thing connected to God. And keep it small." Bill was a little disappointed. The Cleveland guys, the Akron guys, loved it. You know, it was just like because they just love the God thing so
1: much. News of this got on the world wires. Inquiries poured in again, and many people went to the bookstores to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous.
0: If you ever send a newcomer to Barnes and Nobles to pick up the big book, you're going to have them be very embarrassed when they go up to the cashier and say, I'm here to buy
1: the big book. <laughs>
0: How big is the book? If we turn to the, uh, if we turn
1: to the preface, real briefly, um, which is before the first forward, um, it gives us some uh, dates and statistics here. This is the fourth edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The first edition appeared in April 1939 and in the following 16 years more than 300,000 copies went into circulation. The second edition, published in 1955, reached a total of more than 1,150,000 copies. The third edition, which came off press in 1976, achieved a circulation of approximately 19,550,000 in all formats. In other words, there is success. This book is flying off the bookshelves. Yeah.
0: When they were trying to get the book first published, you know, they weren't able to come up with the money from the Rockefellers. They're trying to get all these rich guys to come and invest in drunks. Nobody wants to invest in the drunks, you know. So Bill and Hank decide to go down to the I guess it's like an office depot today, and made up a bunch of these little stock certificates and started selling them to the members of Alcoholics Anonymous, $25 owned stocks and you know, Works Publishing. They couldn't even afford the $25, so they set up a payment plan for the alcoholics. They finally got enough money you know, to get this book out there, and they ordered 2,000 books, and they sold 100. And they went to all the alcoholics. You now <laughs> they really weren't selling. So when we got the press in the, from Fulton, Ausler, and Liberty, um what really skyrocketed Alcoholics Anonymous. Does anybody know what 60 Minutes is? 48 hours? 20? 20? Those type of things? <laughs> Geraldo Rivera? <laughs> Jack Alexander was the investigative reporter at the time back in those days. He went in and discovered corruption in Congress. He went in and discovered the child sweatshops and the sweatshops in you know, England and China townhouse. So in any time, this guy wrote an article, it was like Throwing somebody under the bus, you know, it's just this is going on, and he was really a cool investigative reporter. He had heard about Alcoholics Anonymous, and he wasn't too happy about us taking advantage of these poor families and children, you know, making money off of their sick problem as it is. So he went in to shoot us down, to show the world that Alcoholics Anonymous was a scam. He signed got involved with us, met the guys, he became our greatest friend. He saw that Alcoholics Anonymous was truly a gift from God, that these guys were definitely on a message, on mission to help save lives and make the world a better place. So he had gone in there pl- hoping to write this article that's just going to slam us, you know. He went in there and fell in love with us, and he became our greatest friend. for, for uh, just help, He helped Bill write a lot of books, as a matter of fact. So when people saw the book, or in the Saturday Evening Post, which is the, basically the combination of... <clears throat> CNN, MSNBC, Fox, you know this, the Saturday Evening Post, everybody read it. It was in doctors' offices, dentists' offices, stores, barbers, everybody read this thing, and it said Alcoholics Anonymous. What's that guy's name? Jack Alexander. The, ooh, and they read it up, and next thing you know, they find out that he's given us the thumbs up. As a matter of fact, he's given us a double thumbs up and a smile and a snap. He <laughs> loved Alcoholics Anonymous, and he just could not help write it. You guys go, to the, thank God for the internet, right? Google, Jack Alexander, Alcoholics Anonymous. It's amazing the stuff that we can find out about Alcoholics Anonymous, the news and information. But he gave us the kick in the pants that Alcoholics Anonymous needed. Read. Uh,
1: Back to the forward to the second edition, page XVIII. By March 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000. Then Jack Alexander wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us.
0: What's deluged? Remember it's Hurricane Sandy? Remember the subways with the water and the pumps from 1940s that weren't able to keep up with that? The subways were deluged. Alcoholics are not. Remember Bill W. had a couple of gals, he had a couple of guys working on New York City, the next thing you know they're just overwhelmed with requests for information and books. And a couple of pamphlets. Back then we didn't General Service didn't even have pamphlets. Most pamphlets were just handmade things that every group had. Matter of fact, it wasn't until the 1950s that General Service started putting out pamphlet after pamphlet. Up to that place was basically the big book, God, and one alcoholic working with another. And then we had, you know, the little red book occasionally and the Bible.
1: Any luck on Deluged? Overwhelmed,
0: swamped, overrun. Sounds fun to me. (laughs) (laughs) So imagine what it was like one day they're just sort of sitting around drinking coffee talking AA stuff and next thing you know they've got bags of mail coming in they've got to get onto. it. Was It was exciting, fierce time for Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous hit high gear. Groups were starting everywhere.
1: By the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000 members. The mushrooming process was in full swing. AA had become a national institution.
0: Our society, I like this part. Imagine, who's been to a business meeting? Yeah, imagine business meetings without traditions. Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. The test it faced was this. Could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully and meet and work together? Yes. Would there be quarrels over membership? Yes. Leadership and money? Oh, yeah. Would there be strivings for power, prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon AA was beset by these every problem on every side and every group. But out of this frightening and first disrupting experience, the conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. We had to unify our fellowship or pass <coughs> off the
1: scene. As we discuss- Let's
0: just wrap this up here. We've okay. got just a couple of minutes. we got some great information here. we got the introduction to the world. Remember, before the book, there was nothing. It was just send your way, lock us up, you know, electroshock therapy, lobotomies. A lot of closet alcoholics I've back in those days.
1: And then how monumental was it to see a recovered alcoholic in the wave of everything led before that?
0: Anything else? We were told to stop at this time, right. so <laughs> check back next week. We're going to jump into some finish up the forward to the second. Nice. Thanks. <laughs>